0: Uh, but for today, uh, we're going to be in Matthew, and and we'll be in John chapter 20, Matthew chapter 16. And I was beginning to just pray pray through the sermon for today, and um, God took me in a kind of a different direction. And um, praying that was from the Lord, um, and praying that the, the words of God, like His word, just penetrate your heart this morning. And that He would speak to you directly through His word on what he has uh, for you today. So I've titled this sermon We Can't Blend In. We Can't Blend In. Jesus said as followers of his that we will stand out, that we will be the salt, that we will be the light, um, that we will stand out from the crowd, from the herd if you will. So I wanted to ask you this question this morning, why do zebras have stripes? White, black, stripes. Anyone have any ideas? That's good. We got a biologist in the house. Very good. <laughs> That's really good. That's great. He said, so they won't be identified as individuals, they'll blend into the herd. And that wasn't going to be my question, it was well, if someone's going to say camouflage, well, can't really necessarily be camouflaged because if you stuck a zebra out by itself in a field, you're going to see it. It's going to stand out from everything else because there's this thing with black and white stripes. But if you put the zebra in the herd, it's camouflaged amongst itself. So I heard this story about this this week, and they were talking about a biologist that wanted to study... Uh, the zebra and they wanted to pick one and study that but the problem was it kept getting lost they couldn't find it in the herd it just kept disappearing and so what they did was they went they got like a mop or something got some red paint on it and drove out and like hit one on the rear with some red paint so now I can see it all the time and the problem with that was is that the the lions went to that one and killed it and ate it and the reason was because all the lions then could identify And set their mind and focus on one zebra and so it didn't last very long. So you want to be able to blend in with the herd. And I heard this analogy about this this week. About how people, all of us, it's our nature to blend in with the herd. Right, like we can have individual characteristics and things that make us kind of stand out individually, but we don't want to stand out within the herd, within, with with outside the population of the people that we live in. And they were saying, which made a good argument, that people that are happy are those one that are, are not anxious and are not hurting. That's all right. We'll 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 keep we'll keep rolling. It's <laughs> a good illustration. Like you don't want to stand out from the from the things around you. Like draws attention to yourself. But I believe that's we as people, like our nature. As long as we're not anxious, and as long as we're not hurting, we're happy. And I think about that with me personally. Like sometimes my thought process goes to, "Am I happy? whether there's something that I'm anxious about, or something I'm hurting physically?" Like, I'm not happy until those two things are solved. But I know as humans, we don't want to stand out from the crowd because it makes you vulnerable. It makes you vulnerable to the enemy. It makes you vulnerable to those around you. So what I'd like to do is to look at what God says about this because Jesus actually says the opposite of you and of me as Christians, as followers of Jesus. Now last week we looked at Peter um, in relation to uh, what was going on after Jesus' resurrection. I want to look here before Jesus' resurrection with Peter and a question that, that Jesus asked Peter in Matthew chapter 16. If you would turn there or turn your attention up to the screen as we read God's word, verse 13 through 18. Verse 13, now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, well, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And he said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Who do you say that I am? Dr. Charles Stanley, if Anyone knows who he is, he uh, passed away um, this week. And for a long time, I was just like, there's so much that I wanted to get from the Bible and God. I was just listening to bot radio and sermons and all this stuff everywhere to, to work in the back and I'm mowing the yard. I'm listening to all these sermons listening to bot radio. And he was one of the guys that would come on there every once in a while. And so he had a big influence on my life and his preaching but one of the things that he said in one of his last sermons is he said, what you, how you answer that question is the most important thing about you. Who do you say that Jesus is? One of the last sermons he preached said, the most important thing about you, who do you say that Jesus is? And here we see with Peter, he says, On this rock, I will build my church. And yes, it's Peter. As we learned last Sunday, that Peter became the leader of the Christian movement, the Christian religion. He was the leader. He is the rock. On this rock, I will build my church. But I also believe that on this rock, I will build my church. And that is who is Jesus, the gospel, the good news of Jesus, that he is the son of the living God, the Messiah. The one who has sent for you and for me the gospel, the good news. See, we are called to pray and to proclaim Christ. The gospel, the good news of Jesus is the foundation that the church is built on. It's the foundation. Who is Jesus? What is the gospel it's what the church is built on. In John 20, we looked, we looked at this for Easter. I'm going to go back to it a little bit. I've just been stuck on this, these verses for a few weeks now. In John 20, Jesus was resurrected. He appeared to his disciples. And here's what John, who wrote this book, the one who Jesus loved, he says in verse 30, Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you, you, I circled that in my Bible, that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. And that by believing, you may have, what does it say? You may have life. Not just life, but life in the name of Jesus. Who do you say that I am? in the life of Jesus. Everything that Jesus did, his miracles, the love that he showed for us, everything that's written in here, everything that he did was so that you, you would know who Jesus is. So you would be able to answer and to tell others who Jesus is. Everything about this Bible, everything points to Christ so that you would know who Jesus is. And to be able to tell others who Jesus is and to have life in his name. Not just everlasting life, not just eternal life. To, to go from death to life spiritually, to live, to have eternal life, but to have life today. We call it finding our true life in Christ. What does God want for you to do today in your life? In the life and the rhythms of True Life Community Church, the summer is important. We connect with families. We, Doug's doing a bunch of waterpaloozas. We're going to connect with families. We're going to have a couple of outdoor services uh, this summer. Stay tuned for that. Those are always a lot of fun at the amphitheater in Newtown. Fourth of July Parade, and we're connecting with families to VBS and then to Iwana, Church, Life Group, Membership. Helping people to find their true life in Christ. Love, we call it love, learn, lead, right? Learn to love God and others. Learn about God. And then you lead in somewhere God's calling you. Finding our true life in Christ. These rhythms are important. But in our culture, we don't want to stand out. We don't want to be cast out of the herd to stand out. But being a church and being a Christian, we... We're required to stand out. Jesus says you will stand out. We can't just blend in and stay comfortable as a church. It's not an option. Like God won't work in this church if we just blend in. And listen, I I don't save people. You don't save people. God saves people. But he uses us. He uses every one of us. This is so amazing that God would use a sinner like me for his mission? He didn't have to do that. But he chose to do that. I was reading this week, and I was really stuck on this idea of how Jesus. He took this child, and he set the child in front of him, like Nora. So to say, like, who is the greatest amongst all of us here? The disciples are arguing, like, who's going to be the greatest in, the, in heaven when we get there? And Jesus takes this child, and he sets the child in front of him and says, until you become like this child till you humble yourself that's who is the greatest in the kingdom of God Jesus he humbled himself to the point of death he obeyed his father he humbled himself to the point of death that's what we are as Christians I pray I pray like please God do that within me I so desire like it's not me like I, I want to have more of that I want to be more like Christ. you see, when that happens, when we're obedient to our Father, we stand out. We stand out in our culture, a culture that's changing very quickly. The Puritans, if you have a studying about them this week, and I definitely don't have like... masters in Puritan theology or anything like that. So don't hold me to too high of a standard um, just listening to a podcast. You probably heard of the Puritans, right? They came over from England back in the day. I don't know if they were on the Mayflower. I don't know where. I don't know how they got over here. But somehow they got over here and um, they were very religious people, I guess you would say. But their whole idea was that everything is about the Bible. Like this is the number one possession that I have. And one of the Puritans were crying out like, Lord, take everything away from me, but don't take away the Bible you know, from us. But one of the concepts that the Puritans have, and they had a lot of different views and different understandings, and they would debate this all the time, was a reformed, reformed idea. And reformed is, means a lot of things to a lot of different people, but their idea on reformed was we want to see people have a reformed heart. Like, as an older person, we want to see change within them. But they argued, they said, well, we, we don't want to wait to see if someone's been reformed to see if they have fruit, like that they're following Jesus, they have fruits of the Spirit, they're, they're following God. Like, we don't really want to look at that. We want to see if people respond to the gospel of Jesus. That's how we know if they have a reformed, a changed heart, is if they respond to the gospel of Jesus. That's what the Puritans were talking about. And here at True Life Community Church, I always present the gospel at the end. You may, all oh, here it goes again. It's going to be coming to the end of the sermon. I don't know what you're thinking. But the reason I present the gospel at the end is because the gospel of Jesus is what saves us. And that's what our hearts should respond to. That's that's what should change our hearts, should reform our hearts, is the gospel, the good news of what Jesus did for us. It's finished, he said, on the cross. There's nothing left to do. So if you say, well, this gospel, this this good news, if it's so important, what does does it mean? Like, how can I think of it? How can I explain it to others? So let's try and exercise. You guys ready? Alright. Start thinking about what you're going to think about when I say this. You are condemned by God for eternity in a place called hell. Outside of Christ. Now what I'd like to know is <clears throat> so when you heard that you were condemned. Did you think I, I got to work a lot harder? I got to be. I got. I got to do something to be a much better person to please God. Or did you think, well, that's why I don't go to church. They expect too much of me. Or hypocrites, because I know them, and they don't live up to that standard either, God's standard. Or maybe some of you who've been around long enough say, well, well, no, I believe in Jesus. It can't be true. Or when I said outside of Christ, did your mind then go to, oh, yeah, praise God. Or it could have gone to, it can't be that easy, come on. It can't be just faith alone in Christ. Like that, it can't be that easy. And if that's you, I ask why is it so hard to believe and trust in what Christ did for you? To rest in that. To not be works-based to say I try to live up to some standard to please God, and I don't, even know how, I don't even know when I'll reach it. I don't even know when I'll get there. Maybe because you don't know his love that he has for you. In our life group, I heard a story from Tony Evans last week, and I thought I would share it with you because I think it goes really well. There was a lady who got married, and she found out very quickly that she probably married the wrong person, and this person had written out like 30 rules and procedures and all the things that he wanted from his wife to do. Here are the things that I expect from you, and I'm going to check them off every day. And as you could probably understand, the relationship went south very quickly, and ultimately they ended up getting a divorce. And eventually, the lady found a new husband. And um, this new husband loved her unconditionally. There were no expectations, rules. They had to work together. Um, But he just loved her unconditionally. And one day, well into the marriage, she opened a drawer... And as she was going through the papers, uh, she pulled out a paper and there is the list of all those rules that her ex-husband had given her. And when she looked at it again, she realized she was doing all that for her new husband. Not even knowing it because of the unconditional love that her new husband had for her. Isn't that our walk with God, like when we understand the unconditional love that He has for us because of His Son Jesus? Teach him to obey all that I commanded. Like if if you just love God, knowing that He loves you, like we just He just works that works that within us. Like the Puritans say, like, eventually, over time, like God will produce fruit within us. As we respond to the gospel, He's the vine, we are the branch. Abide in me, and I in you. All right? Back to verse 31 in John 20. <clears throat> But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Son, the, the, is the Christ, the Son of, the God, of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name, so that you will have no doubt, doubt that Jesus paid it all, that you will have no doubt that God loves you. Your response to God's love will result in doing what Christ commands If you put your faith and trust in God, or in Jesus, God approves of you. He loves you. And then you are free to live the life that Christ, God has for you. There were lots of times in my life I was not living the life that God wanted me to. I was miserable. I was doing something for myself or someone else. God has plans for you. John fifteen eighteen through nineteen. I'm going to turn to that. John fifteen eighteen through nineteen. If the world, this is Jesus. If the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of this world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of this world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. If we are Christians, we can't be zebras. We need a red stripe on us, it's just going to happen. Yes, we will stand out, and yes, you will be singled out at times. But I heard Reggie Jackson, you know him as a baseball player. Started out with the Kansas City Royals and went to the A's, and I think ultimately to the Yankees, like in the 70s and the early 80s. Really well-known baseball player. And he said, I make people uncomfortable. People that are around me, I make them very uncomfortable. He said, because I speak truth. Because I speak truth. Like he stands out for speaking truth. And for me, at times, like standing out and, and being singled out, I mean, there's been times that man and I weren't invited to things because we're Christians and we, we just profess our faith. Not in like a weird, I'm not holding a sign out on the corner, like going to hell. You know, I'm not doing that. Like, but just because we just live it, right? There's, a lot of times we weren't invited to things. When I worked in the federal government, I had a Bible on my desk, and I would read it at break sometimes, not all the time. And I thought it was a good opportunity because I'm right by the microwave. People ask questions. We have a lot of conversations. Started a little blog within the organization about church. I was harassed almost daily from my manager about how you're reading things at your desk and you're offending people. I said, show me where I'm not doing my work. Show me where I'm doing something wrong. And he couldn't ever show me anything where I was ever doing anything wrong. Or even when I was the regional manager, I started a Bible study at lunch. And another Christian was harassing me about it. So you can't do that. So why not? I'm a manager. And you got a problem with it, call corporate. I don't care. It's at lunchtime. It's people's free will. Like they... Do whatever you want on your lunch, your lunch break. Those are the things that make us stand out. They, they, they make us stand out from the herd. And people like zero in and they see it. And truth makes us stand out. But here's the thing I want you to see about that. If you've ever experienced that or one day you will. In verse 19... What Jesus says, here's what I want you to see. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, here it is. But I chose you out of the world. I want you to be encouraged when trials come. To me, it's proof that God chose you out of this world. It's proof. I and mean, that's exciting. To say, I know that the world hates me. It proves that Christ chose me out of this world. Praise God! Hallelujah! That's a good thing. I wanted to uh, brag on uh, Kayla Fall. Uh, Doug was telling me a story about how uh, a youth had come to a new youth had come to youth group and. Um, Kayla made it a point to talk with the mom and invite the mom to, to the Bible study and to church. And um, son got connected. Things like that are, that are going on. And I just say, like, those things are just, they're just not blending into the world. Like, it, it makes you vulnerable. And we don't like to be vulnerable. We don't, we don't like to stand out. We don't like the attention, people looking at us. But if you believe in what Christ is saying in, in the word of God, like it's not a choice. Like, you will stand out as Christians. It doesn't always have to be negative. Like, people are looking for truth and hope. They're looking for relationships. They're looking for God. They're looking for the hope that you have in Christ through the true gospel. It's not works-based. It's not based on me. It's based on Christ alone and what he did for me. And it gives me freedom and hope and joy. People are looking for relationships. They may be trying to blend in, but they're looking for relationships. And they're looking for meaning and purpose in life. And you have it. every person on planet earth will stand before God and make an account for their lives and the only thing that matters is who do they say Jesus is who do you say that Jesus is those that are around you those that you love the only thing that will matter is who do you say that I am Those that have put their faith and their trust in Jesus. Not their bank account, not their house, not their 401k, not how many hours that they served at a food bank, no matter how many people behind them in line at McDonald's that they paid for, no matter perfect attendance or not perfect attendance at church, none of those things are going to matter other than who they say Christ is. That's the only thing that matters. That's the only thing that makes us right with God is our faith in Jesus. Faith is trust. Do you trust. You see that all that's been written about Christ is for you to believe. He's the Son of God, that He is the Messiah. All points to Christ. If you are working towards God's approval, you are not trusting in Christ and what He did. And when He said it is finished, that it is finished. There's nothing left to do. If that is you, I would say you are the lady in the first marriage. You're tired. You're ready to quit. You can't live up to the standard. If that is you, I want to introduce you to a relationship based on the love of God, based on grace that we don't deserve. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word and a reminder. And Lord, you your son, your Jesus is chose us out of this world that we are not of this world that we are of the kingdom of God that we have gone from death spiritually to life in the name of your son Jesus alone that we are no longer condemned because of your son Jesus And Lord, you don't just at that moment say, okay, come up to heaven and be with me. No, you say, I've got a plan and a purpose for you for the remainder of your life. To enjoy me now on earth and to be the salt and to be the light to point people that everything in the Bible points to my son Jesus because people need to know that he is the only way for anyone to have a relationship to spend eternity with our father who is in heaven. Lord, remind us of that. Lord, I pray that anyone here that's never heard the gospel or those that are trying to please you and are ready to just quit because it's so hard. Lord, I pray they lay those things, as we're about ready to worship you, I pray they lay those things at the altar, at your feet. The burdens are lifted. There's freedom and there's joy to know that my Father who's in heaven loves me, is approves of me. I'm like that child. I have nothing to offer my father. we humble ourselves and be like children we just enjoy our father let him take care of us let him love us and when he asks us to do things we are quick to obey not out of fear but out of love Pray that burdens are being lifted. Lord, we love you. Thank you for the first loving us and all God's people said.